Spaceman, a podcast sponsored by Tuned Up Custom Rods. This is Dan joining you guys from studio tonight, and I've got uh, a guest host with me tonight. I've got Steve. How are you guys doing? Doing good. And then joining us on the line tonight, we've got a couple people. Well, first, our host, John Burback, is stuck in quarantine jail. John, how are you doing? Uh, wonderful. Quarantine jail is not much fun. And for many of you, I'm sure you've been part of it, but, uh, got to play the protocol right now. Now you're not stuck because you have COVID. No, I, we are waiting on a test. Yes. We've been waiting on a test for five days. So it's, uh, they're a little backed up right now. It's the week before a holiday break. Um, so I'm sure it's going to be a couple more days. And anyone who knows, uh, John knows that him being cooped up anywhere is, about the worst thing that you could possibly do to him. It is a, it's been a trying time for you. Yeah. Just being cooped up in general. I've gotten a lot of stuff done. I'm ready for ice. I've rigged all my ice rods. I've taped everything up. I've ran my electric auger for two batteries worth already. I'm ready to go. You've probably built a couple of ARs and framed out a house and built a rocking horse and all kinds of other things too, huh? Yes. That, that might be a little true. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's accurate. And then, of course, we are also joined on the line tonight by a guest that I am super excited to have here with us. We have John Thielen, who comes to us from um, Lindy's Fish Ed, um, Destination Fish, um, uh, Lumacraft, just all over the fishing industry. John, thank you so much for being here tonight. We really appreciate it. Oh, you got it, guys. I, I appreciate being on and, and uh, look forward to, to talking some fishing. And, and I'll tell you what, if John's runs out of things to do while he is sitting in quarantine i have some rods that i could send over to get spooled <laughs> and a few other things that i could use to get done i promise I'll you, he you would what, do that. he's ready for ice i'm not he, he would <laughs> absolutely have scrambling. them done john is i don't know if john has slept in the last couple of years he is working okay. nonstop. he is he is a that, force that is maybe a little bit more true than i want to admit um, but yeah, no, I, I'd spool them up. I have nothing going on. <laughs> you know what? I actually, guys, walked out. Um, I, I live on a lake up in northern Minnesota, and today I walked out for the first time. I drilled a few holes out oh. in front of my place and had five inches of ice. I didn't fish. All it was was kind of that first venture out to just kind of get a feel for it. And, uh, you know, it it's, I guess, right on schedule. It's right where it should be. You know, I usually think most years I start my filming for Fish Ed on the ice the day after we shut down the ice show in St. Paul. Oh, sure. And that would have been next weekend. Yeah. So, um, or actually last weekend this year, it was going to be early, but it's about that same time. So I guess we're right on normal schedule. Well, you talking about having ice in your place is going to make a lot of people jealous because us down here in the metro, we have a lot of waves still in our view, and it doesn't look like it's going to be any better for at least the next 10 days. But I think there's going to be a lot of uh, car traffic heading up north pretty soon. Well, and you know, guys, I mean, there's a certain point where you got to remember that this is probably just an average start to a winter. You know, we've just had two early ones in a row. Mm -hmm. And this is probably just a little more average. Now, one thing I will say is when you get those early winters and you get that early sheet of ice, it seems like we're so susceptible to that warm-up and then the big snowstorm that yep. creates all the slush. Yep. So, you know, one of the things I hope out of this is that, you know, we get that ice in that, you know, time frame that it normally comes and it can just form without those big warm-ups because the big warm-ups are what brings the snowstorms. Mm -hmm. So with a little bit of luck, maybe we'll have some good clean ice that that gets a good base under underneath our feet, of, you know, before the snows come. Yeah, and John Burbeck, you've been talking about how your parents place up in um, what's the town again? Uh, it's, it's Mission Township up in Brainerd. How you guys have just been digging through the slush for the last two years—it's just been a nightmare for you guys. Yeah, because we're at that that perfect lake size where it freezes early, and then like um was saying get a bunch of snow snow pushes up the water and then we've had up to we've had over two feet of water sitting on the top of ice with snow on top and it's made for some pretty interesting trips 
I mean, how do you approach that? Uh, I'm gonna, can I just go with Thielen and Burback? Is that okay? Because it's going to be confusing for all of us tonight. It's fine. Yeah, that, that, is, that is totally fine. All right. So, uh, Thielen, how do you approach that when you, I mean, you've got a show you've got to do. Do you have, do you have a lake planned out ahead of time? Or if you get to someplace and there's slush, I mean, you've got to deal with it. Well, you know, there's a couple ways I look at it. I mean, I'll tell you a couple years ago, we were coming down from Lake of the Woods. We had just got done filming. We decided to stop at Bowstring. Um, you know, Bowstring's loaded with great crappie fish and great perch fish. And then we were going to do a perch show. And we we walked out. We checked everything. And there, there were no houses on the lake. And, and you just kind of knew there was going to be a problem there. And it was just so so much slush that at a certain point, I and, – and this was the point that day where I said we're just not going to do it. We're gonna we're gonna find a different bite somewhere else, and mm-hmm. and the the reality there is you got a couple of things that come into play. One, you know, filming a TV show, bringing camera guys with me, um, potentially some guests with me here or there. I, I'm always I always err on the side of safety. In fact, I, it's kind of funny because I I know just uh, in the last couple of days some guys have been getting out on Red Lake and. And I'm I'm one of these guys that says I don't need to be out there on two, three, four inches of ice. I give me six, seven, eight, and I'll get the season started. Mm-hmm. So you know, first off, for me is always safety. And one of the things that goes into that is, man, when you got a lot of slush out there, if you uh, you start burying snowmobiles and, and trying to dig them out, and it, it just becomes miserable. So to be honest with you, when I see those situations, I I tend to believe we can find another bite somewhere else, and that's just what we go deal with. Um, now, there there will be years like last year where, you know, there was just nothing we could do about it. And we were wearing knee-high boots all year. Yeah. It's just what it was, you know. And and uh, fortunately, the last year, we had a decent base of ice underneath us, so I wasn't too worried about it. What I really worry about is when you get that slush that starts – in mid-December versus later in December. And last year, it didn't start until a little bit later in December, so we had had enough cold to build some ice. But, man, you get that early to mid-December slush, and that can be dangerous because you don't know what's underneath you. You might be on five inches of ice at any given moment. So, And it just never heals. It stays slush no matter how cold it gets. It's it's awful. Yeah. yeah. So well, hopefully this year we'll be on track and, and not have that kind of issue. Yeah, for sure. So, John, do you, um, when you're going out, do you find that there's different zones or different areas that have the slush um, that you run into? So maybe Michigan is okay, Minnesota's got slush. Um, it, does that does that seem to be true, or is it kind of slush oh, everywhere? Sure. You know, I, no, it, it, that can absolutely be the case. The, the biggest key is, you know, having a base of ice underneath you. And if there's a base of ice underneath you, what happens is when you do get that snow, it doesn't sink the ice so much. And, you, you know, I mean, let's hey, take Winnie, for example, last year. You know, I was at, at a resort that some friends of mine owned last year. And, you know, the struggles people had on Winnie last year trying to be out there fishing. And we weren't able to fish Winnie until February because we had to let some of that slush kind of melt down and then and then freeze back up once we finally had that deep freeze. But it, it really just comes down to, you know, what kind of snow cover do you got? When did you get it? And different regions will be different there. You know, I mean, it's no different than, you know, up here right now, it, you know, we're starting to get ice on lakes and down in the cities, you guys, you guys are still dealing with open water. So, you know, it just varies region to region. Sure, sure. So I'm going to, I'm going to fanboy out here for just a moment. I've got to, I've got to go back in time for myself. So John, I, I, I'm sure I've told you this before when I've seen you, Thielen, when I've seen you at the ice shows or, or in other times when I've talked to you, but when I was first starting ice fishing and I knew that I really wanted to, to learn about it and to get involved in trying to be, you know, as competent as I could be without being, you know, a full-time fisherman, it was Lindy's Fish Shed. You know, it was John Thielen on my TV and on my, on my YouTube channels that I was, I was spending a lot of time following your, your style. And a big part of that is something that you already mentioned is that you tend to fish a lot of the ways that I tend to fish. You know, when I watch you on TV, you, you tend to be in a shelter. You, yep. you seem like you've got, you know, your setup. You, you know where you want to be. You, you've got a plan set up and you um, kind of ambush the fish, it seems like. And I mean, I, I'm sure, obviously, with 
how a show is shot, you're probably moving a ton, but just the visual, it looks like the way I fish. And boy, it's just been, for me, uh, coming into the industry just from uh, from an outside fan to being involved with Tuned Up to meeting you at the shows and at Cabela's and different things like that. It's just been super rad to get to finally, you know, talk to you and have you be a part of this. And it's that fanboy moment for me. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. I, I, I would say that one of the one of the things I'll share with you is I I think in the big picture I, I'll tell you what, let me let me tell you a story that that probably leads to some of the stuff you're looking at in I don't know, let's go back to two thousand five, two thousand six. I was fishing professional walleye trail and I was struggling. I, I was I was struggling. I was, you know, I was pulling off one decent finish a year and and missing the championship and just really not fishing very well. And I was close to walking away and just you know saying, hey, we're just going to hang this thing up and and get back to a corporate America job and and uh, and go that route. And it, it was a conversation that that actually happened with my wife in 2006 when I got back from Devil's Lake where we were having a conversation about, she asked me, she said, well, what's so hard about it? Because when we go fishing tomorrow, we're going to catch a whole ton of fish. So what are you doing different when you're out there tournament fishing, wherever you're going? And it, it really made me stop and think about it. And it led me to saying, wait a minute, why don't I just simplify things? Just, Fish the way you do on Leech Lake or fish the way you do on Malax with the family. Just just simplify it and go fishing. And to be honest with you, Dan, a lot of what I do when you look at how I fish, I'm actually kind of proud of the fact that I'm a pretty simple fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I feel like if you put yourself in a high percentage spot, okay, and you fish high percentage lures. You'd be willing to make the subtle changes, and and you keep it simple. I think most of the time you can find a way to catch some fish, and that is truly how I do things with fish. At I mean, when we go out and do some looking around for fish and set that house up, and and I say, okay, it's time. I believe I'm gonna catch them, and. And sometimes it might just mean changing a lure, changing a color, changing a cadence, but but it's all pretty simple stuff. It's it's not the the high tech that so many people would think. I tend to believe that the difference between the best fishermen in the world and the worst fishermen in the world is a lot less than what you think. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just a few little details, okay? And and I shouldn't say the worst fisherman in the world. That's <laughs> unfair to say to anybody, right? But I think, you know, maybe maybe comparing myself to the next guy, I, I think I'll catch a couple more fish every day. I believe that, but I'll do it with simple things, simple changes, simple it, – it's not rocket science. And I think sometimes we put way too much into it. And you put too much into it, and all of a sudden you're running in circles. You're drilling holes more than what you're keeping your line in the water. You're you're doing things that get outside of the realm of just the simplicity of fishing high percentage spots, and that can make a big difference. Yeah, and I totally have felt that just from watching you and just knowing that. I mean, obviously you're producing a show, so you're gonna you have to produce, but but the the ease of the way that you go about it is a lot like the way I want to do it. I'm not going to be a, a 200 hole a day guy. It's just not the way I, I, I'm not interested in doing that type of fishing. Yeah. And then I'll of tell course, you, yeah, let me give you a good laugh. Now I don't have an auger sponsor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll start with that, but let me tell you something. I would much rather drill two holes than 200 <laughs> at the end of the day. Don't, I don't buy into any of these guys who say it's fun to drill 200 holes. It makes no sense to me if you can catch them in two and if you or know where four they, or six. If you know where you the know? holes should go and, and yeah. you're confident. And I just, I mean, you're hooked up with obviously a wonderful company in Lindy and they have really yeah. high quality product and, yep. and, and that, that definitely makes a difference. Um, but then just your knowledge and, and your confidence, which for me, that's hard to put into words. But when I go fishing with people who are relatively new or who might not feel super good about their skill, it uh, feeling like you're going to catch fish is surprisingly effective to catching fish. That, that's um, 
Number one, that's 100% correct. I'll, I'll tell you another quick story. Good friend of mine, Steve Kusky, he, uh, he ran my camera for a couple of years. I met him at in Mulbridge, South Dakota. We were uh, at a PWT event, and he was my co-angler for the day. And we've become best friends over the years. In fact, we live fairly close to each other now in northern Minnesota, and we spend a lot of time together. Um, he's one of my best friends. And one day we were all sitting around there. There was 10, 12 guys over at his place, and somebody asked me what makes my fishing different than everybody else's. And Steve just jumped in and he said, I'll tell you exactly what it is. He ain't a better fisherman than any of us in this room. He just believes he's going to catch him. Mm-hmm. And, and there is something to be said to that. And, and I will tell you, there were times in my career back to that 2005, 2006, where I was struggling to believe I was going to catch him. But when I simplified things, I got back to just doing the things I knew how to do. 2007, 2008, I was making championships and competing to win every week. And 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 it's led to where I'm at today. And again, man, it's not rocket science. A lot of times it's just being simple, concentrating. You know, I, I can tell you there's many, many times that I will catch twice as many fish as somebody fishing with me. And it's only because I'm constantly concentrating. I, I'm always trying different things. And every time I catch a fish, I'm remembering what I did to trigger that fish to bite. Hey, guys, because that's... on any given day, that can get you five more bites right away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what that reminds me of, this is uh, producer Tom here. What that reminds me of, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the 80-20 rule of mastery at all before, but... You know, I definitely would count myself in the 80% category with that, where they say basically 80% of people who try something are going to be as successful as the rest of the 80%. But then you got that few 20% that are actual masters. There's not, there's not that much of a difference between the bottom, between that bottom 80 and that top, but that top 20, they can really produce. And I'll tell you what, I'm one of those guys who, when I'm out there fishing, I don't, I don't try a lot of stuff because I don't know what to do. So I'm out there and I... You know, sometimes I'll have the same minnow working for the entire day. I know that's bad, but. (laughs) (laughs) And you know it's bad and you don't change because it's like, whatever. I'm drinking beer. Yeah. Well, as long as you're having fun with it, we all have a different goal. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, for for me, so much of it is, I think, I think where it is different is even when I'm all fishing for fun. um, In fact, there's times my wife will say to me, hey, can we just have fun today? We don't don't have to catch 60. (laughs) You know, we, we, we can catch 20. And, and have a fun day, yeah. you know? Um, but I'm always in that mode of how do I get another bite? How did that, what did I do to make that fish bite? Um, because, you know, six inches of depth under a slip bobber can make a huge difference. Huge, mm-hmm. you know? Um, how, how aggressively are you jigging that presentation? It can be a huge difference. I mean, these, these things that y- you look at as being small, a lot of times are the whole difference. Um, and again, it goes back to, you know, I do believe that I can sit in the boat with three other people and I'll fish them or fish the same spot and I'll fish them. But it's because of those little simplistic changes versus being in a rut. Um, and and being, focused, a huge being focused, being yeah. focused. And, uh, you know, you can, you can have a long sit between fish, but if you're glued to your flasher and you're dialed into what you're doing and you're, you're focused for me, that is the fun of it. It's the it's the chess match of how can I how can I trick these fish into biting this piece of metal, and that makes I mean for me like if I go up to Red Lake with my family and we catch three fish the whole weekend and I caught two of them, I'm having I'm I'm glued in the entire time where a couple of other brothers are you know watching YouTube on the on the right. phones all the time, right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I well, I mean, and here's a great example of that. You know, we were filming a, a show that, I don't know, probably two years ago. So it probably aired last year. Might have been three years ago. So it might have aired two years ago. But we were up in the Northwest Angle and we were crappie fishing. And we were on them. There was no reason to move. They were there. I was seeing them on the, on the sonar. They, they weren't leaving. They were there. They just weren't ready to bite. And it's kind of that moment of decision, right? Do I start running around looking for active fish 
or do I just stay here knowing in my gut these fish are going to turn on and it's got to be soon? And we stayed put. And I will tell you that after two hours of maybe catching a fish an hour, when they turned on, I had that TV show shot in 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's, but that was, you want to talk about a test in concentration and a test in patience is just how am I going to make them bite? Mm-hmm. Keep keep doing the little things. Keep changing the little things. You know, am I holding it still for two seconds or am I holding it still for three seconds and then jigging it? And, and that stuff makes a huge difference. And tuning into Fish Ed is... Uh, it's a lesson for a lot of the people. For me, for sure, when I was starting out, it was, what is it that I can do? You know, if I'm gonna, if I want to invest myself into this, and if I can spend a half hour watching somebody who who has figured something out, what is it he's that that he's doing? And and one thing that I think you're just brilliant at is, in the moment of fishing, in the moment of catching and you know dehooking and releasing, you're explaining it. You know, you're telling us what you're doing, which is hard. It's hard to be able to focus on explaining and on the fishing aspect. And and that's something that that you are a master at, for sure. I I appreciate it. I guess guess what I would say to that is, you know, uh, somebody at at, uh, Pradco, who that's the parent company of Lindy, said to me one time, how do you keep coming up with ideas for shows? How do you keep coming up with storylines? And I told them, you know, I, I don't really go out there with a storyline. I go out there and I just try to convey to the viewer what just happened. And the storyline builds itself throughout the day. So one of the things I would say is, you know, while I appreciate the, the kind words on that, all I try to do is just convey what just happened. Because every fish has a story. Every single fish has a reason he bit, and every single fish is a little bit different. But once you get that pattern in the neighborhood, you can catch fish, and you can catch them consistently. I I marvel at the guys who can go out and just catch them every day. I, I always have. Um, there's not a lot of them. But the guys who do, I, again, back to the, the, the difference isn't that much between the guys who do and the guys who don't. Usually it's just those small details. It's it's the concentration, it's the the patience. It's like I say, it's it's when you decide to hold the jig still for a second, see how the fish reacts. Hold it still for a second, then jiggle it again. And if you can't get them to bite, hold it still for two seconds the next time and then jiggle it again and see what see if he reacts different. Mm-hmm. And maybe all of a sudden you realize, boy, if I hold it still for four seconds, he just can't resist it. And I see so many people go out and they jig the same all day long, every single day, every single time they go fishing. And they miss that piece of the puzzle. And that's the simple piece of the puzzle that if they put together, all of a sudden, they're in that 20% and they're catching them like crazy. Yeah. And I think what you said about every fish has a story is totally accurate. You know, that's the reason that a, a person can fish the same body of water for their entire life. And it's not boring or why a golfer can golf the same course for their entire life. And it's not a, how am I going to make this round interesting or how am I going to make this Mm. cast interesting? It's, I love what I'm doing and there's a fish out there that I I know is there. And what am I going to do to trick it? Mm -hmm. I I got a question for you now, just because I am more curiosity than anything else. Do Mm -hmm. you ever ever feel like you get stuck in a rut with a certain set of lures i know you said you kind of simplified it but i know for me sometimes i get in this like rut where i use the same 10 lures or 10 presentations and i'm like i just need to break out of that that's really hey, hard I, I i hear you and i understand where you're coming from Here, here's what i'll tell you i don't believe in favorite spots but i do believe in favorite areas i don't really have favorite lures but i have favorite categories of lures um you know i I guess i wake up in the morning and i i first thing i do whether it was when i was guiding on lax tournament fishing or now doing tv first thing i do let's use summer as an example i look at the wind 
It's the very first thing I do. If it's going to be flat calm, I feel like the fish are probably going to feed a little higher in the water, water column, especially as the summer wears on. If the wind's blowing, they're probably going to stay a little bit tighter to the bottom, I think. Um, is it cloudy? Is it sunny? So what, what I end up doing is I have that favorite category. So if I feel like the fish are going to be aggressive today, Let's use ice fishing. Let's say that we're on Red Lake because, let's face it, there's a whole bunch of people just chomping at the bit to be on Red Lake, and they're going to be there in a few days. If the fish are really, really aggressive, I'm going to use an aggressive bait because here's how I look at it. I'm going to catch every fish I can, okay? If, if the four of us are sitting in a fish house, my plan is that I'm going to catch three-quarters of the fish. That's just <laughs> how I look at it, right? I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's my goal. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to – so I'm going to use the most aggressive bait. So I'm always going to start with something I'm going to jig far more aggressively, okay? If you notice with fish ed, I never use a second hole. Yes. I did the first year, and let me tell you something. I'm spending most of my time catching fish on the aggressive stick anyway. So I don't even bother with a bobber rod anymore in the winter. I just worry about fishing my lure to what the fish want it to be, working the lure to what they're they're telling me they want it to be. But I'll start, you know, to, to answer that question, you know, do I have a favorite lure? I, I tell you what, it's pretty doggone hard some days to beat a red rattling flyer spoon or any of the new Lindy Glow spoons. And I don't care what tackle company you choose to purchase tackle from, you're going to have a favorite that's that's in there. And, and I say all the time about all the different tackle companies out there, everybody's building good stuff. I mean, there's not a tackle company out there that builds stuff that just doesn't catch fish, okay? But what I do try to do is when I – and for me, it's the Lindy lineup. And, um, you know, I look at it in aggression levels, okay? So the glow streak – that's a ripon style bait, you know, like a ripon minnow style bait. That's the most aggressive of the aggressive. Then I might be looking at the glow spoon and the rattling flyer spoon. Those are those are kind of the medium, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle. And then I may go to something like a frosty jigging spoon on the slow it down to nothing. So back to the Red Lake analogy I was going to give you is I'll never forget a few years back. We we sat out on Red Lake for six hours on the same fish and it was slow and you could see the fish they were there they'd come in they'd saunter in they'd look they'd leave it was a cold front it was mean it was brutal it was 20 below you know one of those first cold fronts in december that just wrecks fishing for a few days and i switched over to a frosty jigging spoon i had tried everything in the box Switched over to a frosty jigging spoon. We're talking the most subtle of a jigging spoon that you're ever going to find. All it does is goes up and down. Doesn't swim out to the sides. Doesn't displace a lot of water. I downsized to an eighth ounce size. And those same fish that I've been looking at forever turned on like a light switch. I don't believe they started feeding. I think I finally found what they wanted. So when you talk about getting stuck in a rut with lures... I don't necessarily have favorite lures or favorite colors, but I, I try to have categories of lures based upon the fish's activity level. And I think that helps me catch fish faster because now I kind of know if I go out in the cold front right away to start my day, I'm probably not going to start with a glow streak and rip a bait around down there. I'm probably going to fish a little bit more subtle. Um and and you start working your way through progressions like that, and all of a sudden you you start finding out that that you can catch fish a little faster. You can find those those aggressive fish a little bit faster, and when you turn them on, all of a sudden you get a few fish to bite, and all of a sudden they will get aggressive, and you can you can switch over to those aggressive lures. So it's kind of a long explanation, and I, I hope I answered the question, but it's yeah, it's just a question of working through some things. No, that makes sense because I used the Lindy, the original Frosty, though, just the single plane mm -hmm. gold hook, the blue yep. one for, I have legitimately probably five years for crappies in the winter. Yep. Just, that thing was, I had so much confidence in that lure. And I don't even know if this lure worked that well or it was my mental state to say, I know I can catch fish on this lure. Yeah. And yeah. It was almost like stuck in a rut and it was like, it, I could never get out of it because it worked. And the lakes that I fished, it just worked. 
Yeah. I know that, uh, that red Ratlin flyer spoon is definitely my comfort zone. That's my, that's my, I feel good about this. My, my, um, what is the word? It's good lure. It's confidence lure. Yeah, what do I call it, the? Yeah, the, I, I'm sorry, I've got some word in my head. Uh, oh. Your security blanket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Something Let like me that. throw this at you guys, though. One thing that I think a huge mistake anglers make is when fish are biting. As much as you want to just sit and catch them on that favorite lure, that favorite comfort zone lure, um, that's when you should try other things because Ooh. that's when all of a sudden you figure out that <laughs> oh man. I, I tell you what, I never would have guessed it, but this lure's catching them better than that one did. I it, It's funny because being the guy who has to come up with the ideas for Lindy Fishing Tackle and and concept the lures, every every now and then you just got to have some thick skin. When a guy says on the web, I think that thing's a piece of junk, I fished with it for two hours and I couldn't catch fish. And, you know, you got to have thick skin and say to yourself, well, we don't know if that guy was on any fish. Okay. Sure. We don't know if he caught any fish on anything else. So what I always tell people to do is, hey, man, if you're catching them on your comfort zone lure and they're biting really good, whether it's Red Lake, Early Ice, Lake of the Woods or a great crappie bite, that's the time to have something else to drop down there and just see. You know, test something else out then. Most of the time, when do people try a new lure? They try it when nothing else is working. That, well, is, that is a really <laughs> counterintuitive thought, and that's kind of, a, kind of a paradigm shift for me right now. That takes a lot of discipline, and I don't know how much I have of that. But I know when, <laughs> when Dan and I go fishing, and, and uh, we we fish in a, in a bass league in the summer, and Mm-hmm. And if we'll get on some fish and right, we'll be pre-fishing and we can't stop. I mean, we just, we keep going. So it's, it's really hard, it's to, hard to stop. It's hard to going. shake off those fish and yeah. say that we'll leave that for later. But that's a really interesting concept of, of switching when you're hot, because then you can figure out what works. I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. That's when you learn. Yeah, you're but, not going to learn when they're not biting. If they're not biting that red rattling flyer spoon for you, Dan, I'll tell you right now, they're not going to bite some other lures as well. Sure. That's sure. just the way it is. Yep. But yep. man, if if they're biting, great time to find out if you could drop something else down and catch twice as many. For sure. We're going to take a pause right now, and we'll hear from our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods, and we'll be right back with you on the Iceman. Hey, this is Dan here from Tuned Up Custom Rods, and I'm here to talk to you guys about uh, our awesome lineup. This year, we introduced a brand new rod, Falcon, and uh, we've got our other incredible lineup of ice rods, open water rods, a new trolling rod this year. Check us out on our brand new website, www.tunedupcustomrods.com, or find us on our Instagram or Facebook page. Okay, we're back. Thank you guys for uh, for sticking around for that commercial break. Um, Thielen, it's super awesome again to have you here. Uh, Bert Jump Burback, thank you for uh, for tuning in from your uh, from your uh, COVID hole. Uh, Steve, we haven't heard a ton from you, but uh, it's because I've been geeking out over here talking to Thielen, but it's been. It's you, been exciting for me. You don't stop talking, so I'll let you go. Well, hey, it's my show, so I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Steve and I go kind of way back. We went to high school together, yep. um, and after high school, we kept in touch, of course. And then we've been fishing together for a number of years. Where uh, whenever Steve and I are on the boat or in the ice, in the boat or on the ice, um, it's kind of a mutual feeling that. It's we're kind of in in sync. We're kind of dialed in with each other on on that. It's a effortless fishing relationship, which is if you can find that, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty fun. Yep. And you worked at Tuned Up, or you still kind of work at Tuned Up? Yep. So, and you've got a, a, a kind of interesting job. I I know that you can't talk a ton about it, but your your career, you are a scientist. I am a scientist. Yep. I'm a forensic scientist at the the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. So. Um, I supervise the crime scene investigation team and evidence intake, and I also do some bloodstain pattern analysis casework. So, so that that brown van, black van, is yep. it black? It's black and gold. Yep. Oh, I thought it was brown. Yep. That's UPS. Brown is UPS. Yes. Yeah. We are not, not the, UPS. It's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know that that's not something that you talk a ton about, but it's a fascinating career. I know that there, the 
CSI world is gaining a lot of traction. There's a lot of people who are interested in it. Yeah, it's blowing up. It's a, it's a great thing for, for us as far as recruiting and, and getting good people, but it also throws its challenges in there too with, um, you know, with the juries and, and the CSI effect and some of those kinds of things too. And you, you teach a class about it too, don't you? I do, yep. I teach a class at uh, Hamlin University. Um, I had a crime scene investigation class and a bloodstain pattern analysis class there, yep. I, so I am a massive science dork. I could not take either of those classes because gross pictures gross me out. And <laughs> there, I'm, I'm there sure are a you lot show of those. some gross pictures. Yes. All right, let's change topics completely. So, uh, John Thielen, um, we've been talking with you a lot about uh, you know how you picked up the show Fish Head and your, your origins of going back to guiding. And I really feel like a fishing guide has lives by whether they can produce or not. And then I'm sure that that has been you know immensely helpful for you transitioning into into broadcast um but then moving uh you know in another direction you're starting a new venture now uh john thielen's fish destination or destination fish did i say that correct yeah it, yeah it's destination is john thielen's destination fish and it, it's something that um quite frankly guys like i concepted about five years ago i i put together a business plan and i put it in a file drawer and, and i was pretty pretty busy at the time and pretty focused on just getting fish head to the point where I wanted to see it. Um, and, and, you know, like, like anything you do in life, you know, it, it's, it's gotten better just due to the repetition of doing it every week. And, and I wanted to build it to a certain level of popularity with the general public. And we've been fortunate enough to to get it to where we hope to get it. And it gave me the opportunity to look again at, at the destination fish concept. And one of the things that happened was when BRP purchased Alumacraft boats, we got into a conversation one day. I'd been with Alumacraft for, man, 20 plus years. And um, we got into a conversation about, you know, what, what more could we do? And, I, I went back to the destination fish concept in that file at home. And here we are 18 months later now going to go to air on January 3rd, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock on Fox Sports North, Fox Sports Midwest. And then it'll follow up on YouTube, Facebook, and all the social media out there. Um, but destination fish has become a reality. It's a, it's going to be a 13 week open water only television show and it's multi-species so as much as i've made my career in walleye fishing this has been a ton of fun for me because we've really gotten outside the box and we're sturgeon fishing we're cat fishing we're doing we're, we're just going fishing and we're just going fishing and catching fish and it's really about the fun and the enjoyment of going out and doing that and I uh, I think now in our in the world we live in, we've learned a lot through this COVID nine months, and and I you know as much as we we all hope there's a vaccine right around the corner, I also do believe that by the time it gets to the general public, we're going to have another you know round of spending some time without some kids sports. I mean, we're seeing things canceled again right now, and we're all finding out that fishing is a great way to go out and spend time and it's it's actually the perfect time for destination fish to launch so yeah we're uh we're excited about it i actually spent last summer filming two tv shows so i i i'm continuing to do lindy's fish ad that will air on sunday mornings at 8 30 and then at 10 o'clock on sunday mornings will be destination fish so we're, we're really excited for the launch of it. In fact, to be honest with you, you guys are the first ones here in the details. Breaking um, news on Iceman. Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll, and we'll be uh, putting a little bit more out about it on our, on our Facebook page here shortly. And, uh, man, we got a, a great group of sponsors, a great group of people that backed it. And, uh, man, we're just, we're just really excited about it. So I, I, I hope that, you know, all your listeners – 
can find the time to tune in. Uh, it's it's really going to be a fun show. As much as Fish Ed is about teaching, this is about a lot of fun. I can, I can tell you my friend Nate Altendorf gets a 20-plus pound catfish <laughs> that is the biggest one of his life, and, and the two of us couldn't quit giggling like little schoolgirls. Oh, my <laughs> I mean, gosh. It was just great, you know, and I got the biggest sturgeon of my life on film. Um, we'll launch with that show. So we we truly fish every species in this show, and it's just a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to bringing that to to everybody's living rooms here in just, uh, just a few weeks. It's That's not far super off. exciting. I, I remember talking to you about just kind of the bones about it last year at the ice show, and it was exciting. And, you know, for those of you who, who follow – John on on Facebook and and uh, uh, you've you've seen this you've heard him talk about it, um, it it's J O N by the way John Thielen and um, you know it's it's exciting you've got a couple of different things up your sleeve I know that this year uh, for the first time you were running multiple boats do we have you still John there we go yeah oh, there yeah. It, it just sounded like now i could hear you the whole time so as long as you guys still got me yeah, yeah. i actually had multiple alumacraft boats this year i had the 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 195 tournament pro that i've run for years and uh that you know i i run a, a new model of that every year and then i ran a 175 competitor cs a side console and uh and I had a big tiller boat, a twenty foot tiller oh, with a one fifty on it. I didn't see the tiller boat. That that one was it, it came kind of late in the process because of you know, the the reality of it is from fishing tackle to boats to whatever it is in the outdoors, everything is in such high demand right now mm-hmm. that that boat just pushed back a little bit and I didn't get it until September. So we did the bulk of the filming out of the other two, but uh yeah. Yeah, I've I've been with Alumacraft for a long time, and and it, it was fun to have a, a little 175 CS. Man, was that a fun boat this year! It's funny that you say a little 175. It's I Steve and and John both run 175 trophies, and I know that Steve actually um, you know consulted with you quite a bit about about that boat purchase. Um, but uh, I I was up at Formula Prop, which I know that you are associated yep. with. Uh, Todd Todd Hesse and I went to high school together. Oh, and okay. I was up at Formula getting a, a prop repaired, and your boat was there, your, your 195. And when I pulled up, I didn't I, – I couldn't understand on TV the size of that boat until I saw it in the parking lot. And then I, I remember over to Steve's 175, and holy cow, that 195 is a much bigger boat. Oh yeah, it's a it's a big boat, you know. I mean, it's a it's a wide boat. It's it's a it's a big boat, you know. And and uh, it, man, it handles big water well. It it handles small water as well, though. You know, I mean, I'm one of these guys that I you know. You look at that boat; it's nineteen and a half feet. Nineteen and a half feet to me is the perfect number. I, I don't need a twenty or twenty one foot boat um, because I want to be able to take my boats and I want to go to small water and big water alike and. And man, a 19 and a half foot boat, that's, that's an awesome boat. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you can do the same thing with a 20 foot boat. You can do the same thing with a 21 foot boat, but man, I'll tell you what, a, a 19 and a half foot tournament series Alumacraft is a heck of a boat for, for any species you're chasing. I'm excited to see the the competitor in action because that's the model that I've got my eye on. I love the, I love the trophy. Steve and I spend a lot of time in the summer in that trophy and I, I love it. Um, but, there's something about yep. that layout of the competitor. It just, I like the low gunnel. I like the built-in cooler. I like it just the bigger, <laughs> bigger casting deck. It's yeah. You know, I, I did a lot of bass fishing on that boat this year too. And that's one of the nice things it, it, you know, because it is a little bit lower profile, you can handle big water. I mean, I take that out on Mille Lacs any day of the week and feel very comfortable with it. I had a 140 horse outboard on there and, or, or you can, you know, take it to a, a small bass lake and, and work your way through three feet of water pitching frogs and lily pads, and it's equally comfortable in, in either situation. It's a, it's a great multi-species boat. Yeah, and being a metro, a metro guy, for me, bass is really the thing that I fished the most of my time, so I'm excited about that idea. But, I mean, we've been up on Mille Lacs in your trophy, Steve, mm-hmm. and we've been in some snot up there. Yeah, we've been in some ugly stuff up there. And, we've seen and some waves, and that 175 trophy just 
yep. it handles it yeah. way better than my 17 and a half foot uh, Bayliner. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, Which, no, it, it yeah. handles it really well. And I, you know, the only reason that I would go up is just because the family's big and I need more space for all the kids, but you definitely um, have a lot of kids. I do have a lot of yeah. kids. Just, I've uh, got four. Hey, so. hey, can I throw something out that will make everybody smile here? I yeah. told Steve back when he bought that boat that he was going to be back in a few years. <laughs> he looked at me, he said, no, 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 this is it. This is the boat. And I said, nah, your kids will get a little bit bigger and you'll be back for a bigger one. And I, I understand he's starting to get himself into the market for a bigger one now. And yes, he's also yes, in the market for a gigantic dog, which I'm sure is going to make that boat feel even smaller too. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with a 21 footer then. You're going to need, yeah, yeah. you need something different. But John, you, uh, uh, Burbeck, you've got that 175 trophy and, and you've been pretty pleased with it too, haven't you? Yeah. I've had really no, no issues with it. Um, at all other, other than a little, I got a motor height issue, but uh, that'll be solved in the spring. Yeah. Very hard to find technicians this, uh, this summer and fall that were, I guess, open. Um, I mean, they had lots of work. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't want to pay, you know, kind of the full retail of, uh, moving my motor up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Now, speaking of motors, uh, Thielen, you've, you've been on, on, uh, um, Evan Root and, and BRP for, has uh, it been your whole career or at least for no, a lot of it? Seven, the last seven years. Okay. Um, and you know, the, the e-tech outboards have, have been awesome for me. It was actually very much a disappointment when they discontinued those models. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a switch in business philosophy and, and, um, you know, I can, I can share with you guys, I'll, I'll share with you as much as I'm allowed to share. I, I actually have a non-disclosure agreement with BRP. Um, if you've read the press releases, you've read about what they call Project Ghost. Yeah. And I can tell you Project Ghost is real. I have seen it. I've gotten to be involved with it. And I've actually driven it. Um, there's, proto there's prototypes. Um, with that being said, they're, they're working feverishly to bring the next generation of, of outboards. Now I, I can't tell you a whole lot more than that. Um, without, without getting myself thrown in jail or something, Avonroot jail or BRP jail. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, there's a lot of people that felt like BRP was getting out of the outboard industry. And what I can tell you is they were retooling, and going in a different direction with it. Now I and, won't. Uh, I won't ask you. Hopefully, we'll hear. Hopefully, you'll see more about this in in the short term. I, I I can't tell you exactly how long it'll be either, because quite frankly, I'm not even privy to all the information. Yeah, and I won't ask you to try to confirm or deny anything. But it, my understanding, just from the press releases and the different teasers and things, is that Project Ghost is electric right is that right steve did you say that's, something about that? that's what i've read is and what i've seen is is they're going electric and or and it, hybrid possibly or something, something like that yeah now that we're in speculation land here i'm not asking john to confirm or deny but that 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 is the wave of the future in automotive and i'll tell you what if if there was a viable uh boat main motor that was all electric that could get me through a weekend of fishing Oh my gosh, I would buy that thing for sure. Yeah. And I've seen well, I think the Linders, um, I think one Troy or one of those guys I saw was out in a tournament fishing a, an electric motor and so I, I know that that, that technology's out there. Um and it'd be cool to see. It it is good to hear as an Evan Root owner myself to to hear that they're continuing and that they're moving forward and you know, I love my motor. I, you know, I if uh if I was able to get get another Evan Rood with a warranty continued and all that kind of stuff on a future boat, I'd do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I would share this because I think this is important for everybody to understand. BRP has built the parts that it takes and everything that it takes to honor these warranties that are on the engines they have sold through the entire life of the warranty 
and then be able to still have parts availability after that warranty. So if, if you're an Evinrude owner, contrary to some of the things you may have read where it sounds like the sky is falling and, and you might be worried about your warranty or you might be worried about what do you have for support, it's still going to be there. And you can count on that. And, you know, it was one of the first questions I asked was, you know, what about all these people that that have bought Evinrude outboards over the years and are thrilled with them? I, I mean, are, are we taking care of them? And it was one of the things that was very important to the folks at BRPU was that those people needed to be taken care of while we retool and move toward the future. So, so hopefully that gives those Evinrude owners that are listening today a little bit of a peace of mind to know that there is a commitment to taking care of you with, with those engines that are out in the field. Well, and they weren't messing around either. When I bought mine, I I got a ten year warranty on it, you know, so I've got mm-hmm. six years to go, something like that yep. on it. So they they definitely put some money behind it to keep it going. Yep. And your engine yep. is rock solid. I've yep. been very impressed in your boat that that E Tech is yours an E Tech. Yours is an Evinrude. Yeah, it's the E Tech one thirty five HO, not yep. the G two, just the E Tech. Correct. Yep. But it the torque and the it's not loud. It's not it's not two stroke from the seventies loud. Right. Um, yep. And John, you run a Suzuki, right? No, nope, yep, I run. I do. Have, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Burberry. <laughs> yeah, we got to go by last name. Yeah, I I, yeah, I messed up my own my own idea. Burback, you run a Suzuki. I do run a 140 uh, Suzuki. And I've been in your boat a handful of times, and that thing scoots just fine as well. Yes, and it's the biggest thing for me. It's quiet. Like when it's idling, it you can't hear it at all. Much quiet, yeah. It is. It is quieter than than the Evinrude, that's for sure. I mean, everything's quiet compared to the to the uh, four cylinder uh, Dodge motor that's in the back of my boat that has no mufflers on it. That thing, it's like, oh my gosh! But <laughs> it sounds the same as my Dodge motor in my car. Yeah, so. it does with way less power. <laughs> it is probably the same yeah. motor. <laughs> no, I have another like an extra four cylinders and. 450 horse. Yeah, John would have to unplug a couple cylinders to get bound down to my power, that's for sure. Uh, probably about seven of them. Yeah. <laughs> so is uh, Project Ghost going to be uh, spooky quiet? Oh. You know, I, it's all a work in progress. Yeah. And yeah. The, the things I've seen, heard, and driven, I can tell you are most likely nowhere near the finished product. Um, I expect to be back over to the test facility in the spring to see the next round. And, and you know, these these projects, a lot goes into them. It, it doesn't happen overnight. And, uh, you know, it, it, like I say, I think there will be more to come in the in the near future. That's that's reassuring. That's good to know that that BRP is still, a, you know, an active participant. And it's going to be it's just going to come back in a, in a concept that that's going to be new. And they changed the game when they came out with their E-Tech and their G2. And it was, that was a big deal. So it's exciting to see what they can come up with now. Yeah. But if you look at all technology, look at the, how the gas augers faded out into oblivion in two, three years. I mean, that could be pretty quick for boats too. Uh, like I said, if, if there was a viable option, that would be something I would consider in a heartbeat. But, you know, of course everything takes time. So, um, Thielen, let's uh, John Thielen now at this point. Um, when we talk about you know you out in the open water, you came up through the walleye circuit, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've really enjoyed watching from you is your pan fishing, and just the very logical, simple, kind of repeatable approach that you take to going out there and 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 putting big crappies in the boat and big sunfish and. And you're filming on relatively public waters too. Oh uh, yeah, I mean we don't. I I don't film anywhere private. Everywhere we film, it, you know, we're we're going in on a public launch, and that's been something. You know, and the other thing I would say that that we're very proud of in what we've done with Fish Ed, and we're taking the same concept with Destination Fish, is what you are seeing is one day. Um, sometimes it might be a couple hours, but we're not there for multiple days looking to piece together the biggest fish throughout the day or throughout the, you know, several days into a show. And, and that's why, quite frankly, I mean, I look at the average angler 
man, if we're in a position where we can throw a couple 15-inch walleyes in the live well, doggone it, we're going to do it, and we're going to have a fish fry tonight. That's mm-hmm. that's how I look at fishing. But I also look at it from a standpoint that I'm sure you guys notice, when I catch a big fish on TV, I get excited. Oh, yeah. But, but that's because I got one day. And it, when we go out in the morning, we're going to get a show. That's just the way it is. And, and if at the end of the day we only have eater-sized fish, we're going to air it. And we're going to air it because that's real. And that's important to me to keep that real because I can tell you I have gotten to fish all over the country. I've probably put in more hours than most would ever dream of. And you don't go out on any given day and catch six big fish. It just doesn't work that way. It, it's, it just doesn't work that way. And I I think there's something to be said for just going out and doing what we do and showing the the honest everyday working guy that that this is the same for all of us. And, and let's face it, we're all when we go to Red Lake here, you know, I, I'll start the week of December 7th. I don't know if I'll be at Red or Lake of the Woods, or, but I'm I'm looking to get some fish for a fish fry. And when we're up on Lake of the Woods, if I bump into a big one along the way, that'll be awesome. But that's really how I look at the fishing. Yeah, yeah. And you've got a couple of other people that are on the show with you that I think are just equally as as effective at, at, at um, translating that, you know, here's how we put in the work, here's how we do it, and, and we're going to succeed. You know, I you mentioned Nate a little bit ago, and he's yeah. he's kind of coming on. I mean, he's been on for what a couple years now. Yeah, and 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 um, Nate Nate filmed some with me on Destination Fish this year. We brought him onto the Lindy staff a couple years ago, and he does a real good job. He's a he's a great young guy with a passion for the sport. And then you have a guy like Jeff Sundin, who um, Jeff two years ago was voted the most popular fishing guide in Minnesota by the WCCO. Um, I don't, I don't even remember what it was or how they did it, but um, he was voted the most popular fishing guide in Minnesota. I mean, what a great, what a great honor. You oh, know? I know that he had my vote on um, that. I, I definitely was part of that. Same here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he just a, and, and a great person. I mean, you want to talk about a guy with fishing knowledge. I've learned a lot from Jeff. In fact, I've probably, if I could pick one thing and say I've learned it from Jeff Sundin, it is interjecting a little more patience into my fishing. Mm. He is the most patient fisherman. He drives me crazy. He is so patient. <laughs> but he's he's rubbed off on me in some scenarios and I've become more patient as well. And I think I might have rubbed off on him in a few scenarios where he might burn a little more gas than he used to. So sure. You know, it's it's kind of a, a two-way street there. And he is also another very approachable, very down-to-earth person. When you know, at the at the St. Paul show or, or anytime I've I've bumped into bumped into Jeff, he's been super, you know, uh, patient and he'll take the time to talk with you and, and just, you know, talk like a normal person, which Yeah. It, it, it is a really neat thing. And it's a it's a a huge bummer that we are missing out on those face-to-face interactions this year with our cancellations of the different shows because, you know, for the people who are um, just average ice anglers or average anglers in person in general and who are not necessarily connected with the industry, getting to go to a trade show and, and seeing people like you and Jeff and Nate and, or, you know, John Burback, the owner of tuned up and, and being able to come in and have a, an honest conversation with the person it is remarkable how open the industry is to everybody. And like, yeah, and we're missing it as much as the, you know, I, I think the industry as a whole, we're all missing it as much as what the patrons of the events are. I, it's, I enjoy those events. You know, I, I've always, I've always said, you know, a, a three or four or five day show can wear me out. And I might not have a voice at the end, but I sure do enjoy the being there the whole time. I enjoy talking fishing with people, and and it, it's, there's just a there's there's a bond that is there with fishermen, and I think I think hunters as well, where we all we all can talk to each other. You know, I I look back to. You know, playing hockey in high school and seeing my son go through 
playing hockey up through juniors and and you know they don't talk to the guys on the other team the same way you know what i mean and yet in the fishing world we all just enjoy the the camaraderie and the talking and the 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 people so you know we're missing it too i i would tell you that i'll bet you john burbeck's missing it as well i mean we're we're all missing it too yeah, well, I, as a person who works those shows for Tuned Up and, and Steve as well, and, and I know for John as well, Burback, that, you know, we get energy and life from those interactions. It's, you know, John uh, Burback as the owner of Tuned Up and as, you know, the person who literally touches every single rod that comes out of here, how gratifying to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people daily come up and, and just be excited about something that you've created. It's honestly, it's. It's one of the biggest, I don't know, it's the biggest things for me is that personal interaction with all those customers. I mean, man, plus it like supercharges me for the rest of the year. Um, right now, I mean, being locked down doesn't help, but it, I'm kind of missing that, that boost. I'm sure, Elon, you're, miss, you're missing the, the fans and stuff. I mean, who doesn't get a kick out of somebody saying, hey, man, I fished with your rod and I caught my personal best crappie and love it you know you did exactly the colors you wanted or or feeling that you know somebody's like hey you recommended this spoon and i caught my biggest walleye of my life on that spoon and it's like well it's a good it's a good feeling and it you know it really kind of raises everybody up yeah it's a it's a different year there's there's absolutely no doubt about it and you know i mean let's 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 hope and believe that we're going to come out the other end of this and and by next year, be back to these shows. Who knows? I mean, you know, the Northwest Sports Show is still scheduled to go forward in March. And I, I you know, I have my fingers crossed that that'll work itself out. Um, you know, a, I would think, though, by next year, we'll all be back to normal for sure. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things I hope for in the whole thing. I hope the Canadian border can open again soon. There's a there's a lot of people being hurt by this. Um you know, you look at Northwest Angle Resorts, you know, holy smokes, you know, those those resorts are, are just dying to get back open. And I have friends that own Canadian resorts. In fact, I have advertisers that own Canadian resorts that, man, this is tough. So, you know, I, I hope this will all pass and we can get back to the personal interaction and and uh, the travel that we're all used to to chase the passion around that we all have. Yeah, I have a trip booked for February in uh, on Winnipeg with Donovan Pierce, and I don't. It's not looking so good, but um, yeah. But thankfully, in the time being, we still have uh, shows. You get, you're still you produce shows. You're still able to get out there and do them, and and so you know, as fans, we can still connect in that way and still see relevant content and things that are exciting. And I think what you mentioned earlier in the show, the affordability of family quality time that has been given with this um you know these quarantines and these forced um these forced times off that is a, a huge blessing for so many people um you know i all of us are fathers we all have families that that we would like to be with more often and what an amazing opportunity that this has given us to be able to be there and you know hopefully soon we've get some safe ice that we can bring our sons and daughters out onto and, and spend those, you know, meaningful hours together with and, and build those memories and, you know, hopefully, you know, translate that into a, a, a passion f- for them as they grow up and, and decide if they want to fish as well. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, and, and it's going to happen. I mean, we're going to, we're going to all be on the ice soon. And, and I hope that this, I will tell you this, I know that this summer, more young people were introduced to fishing and resorts throughout the state of Minnesota than what we've seen in years. License sales up um, means more adults were going. If more adults were going, we know they were bringing more kids. I hope the same thing bleeds over in ice fishing um, because more kids in ice fishing just cements all of our futures. You know, you guys are going to sell more tuned up custom rods and and Lindy's going to sell more tackle and, and in the big picture, we're all going to spend more time with, you know, with family and friends because really fishing becomes family and friends. Um, you know, say kids soccer. Yeah. You're going to have some other families that are friends, 
But really, a lot of times the game's over and everybody goes their separate ways. Where, you know, fishing, the day comes to an end and a lot of times we all go back to a cabin for a fish fry. So I, I hope it bleeds over into the ice fishing side as well. Absolutely. Well, John Thielen, we really appreciate you being here with us tonight on The Iceman. Uh, Steve, thank you for being here in studio. It's been fun to get a, a chance to talk to you. I haven't seen you in since since league ended. Yeah, since league uh, ended. And Burback, hopefully you get sprung here from the joint here uh, with uh, some positive news or some negative news, I should say, uh, hopefully relatively quickly. Uh, yeah, we look forward I'm gonna be listening to Johnny Cash and some Folsom Prison pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be sharpening spoons and digging through your own walls, I think. We've seen yeah. the pictures in your basement, John. We yeah. know that you still have other stuff to find. Yeah, so. you've got plenty of jobs to do. So, yeah, anyways, thank you again for tuning into this episode of The Iceman. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram for latest updates on new podcasts. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you.